This is Katrin with Disability Rights New York. Welcome to our podcast, Empire State of Rights, where we will bring you information on the most relevant topics regarding disability rights and advocacy. Today, we welcome DRNY staff attorney, Emma Stern. She's here to discuss the accessibility requirements for snow and ice removal in New York State and emergency preparedness. Emma, how are you today? I'm great, Katrin. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you so much for joining us. It's winter here in New York State, and uh, it is one of my least favorite times of the year. Um, we've had a lot of ice, a lot of snow, a lot of rain. And uh, unfortunately, we've also had um, some big storms throughout the state. Would you start off by talking to us about accessibility requirements for snow and ice removal? And are there differences between uh, which region you live in, what city you are, the towns, um, and even the, the spaces in between, right? We have hamlets in New York State. So talk to us a little bit about the differences in all of those. Absolutely. So the main thing to keep in mind is that the Americans with Disabilities Act is a federal national law that requires states and cities and towns within those states to make sure that sidewalks are accessible to people with disabilities. That includes snow removal and ice removal. So just from the largest level, we want to remember that that is always required under the Americans with Disabilities Act or the ADA. Now, when you break that down, a lot of cities and a lot of towns have created ordinances that are essentially local laws that try to really put some responsibility on other entities to make sure that sidewalks are cleared of snow. Uh, that doesn't, though, take away from their responsibility as the city and the town to make sure that sidewalks are accessible to people with disabilities. But when you look at those ordinances, Katrin, to your point, they do vary drastically across the state. Some towns and cities have better ordinances than others in terms of how quickly snow and ice needs to be removed after snowfall. Take New York City, for example. That's one of the best examples that I've seen in terms of the relative uh, speed at which snow and ice needs to be removed after a snowstorm. In New York City, it has to be removed within four hours of the end of snowfall. Uh, or if it happened over the course of the night, then it has to be removed somewhere between 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., depending on when the snowfall ended. And Emma, as you're talking about these times in New York City specifically, because that's what we're talking about, who, who is responsible for removing the snow in those timelines? Yeah, so those ordinances will say that property owners are responsible for removing the snow and the ice. Uh, the property owners have to remove the snow and the ice around the sidewalks that are immediately adjacent to their property. Uh, so that's, that's what those ordinances say. Um, and then, you know, we're talking about New York City as being a good example of a, a city where the property owners need to remove the snow and the ice relatively quickly. Then you have other cities like Albany, for example, which is 24 hours after the end of a snowstorm. So hypothetically, snow ends falling at 9 p.m. on Monday. The property owners are not required to remove the snow until 9 p.m. the following day, which for anyone who's a wheelchair user means that they're literally barricaded in their home for that entire next day. Uh, that's why it's important to remember that no matter what your local ordinance is, if you are having trouble because you are not able to get out of your home, that ultimately is 
the problem for the city or the town because the Americans with Disabilities Act is a national law. Right. And so it's statewide. And in New York State, we have a lot of rural areas. We have places where there aren't necessarily sidewalks, but if someone was going to go into the city or travel, there needs to be accessible places for them to move and to be able to get to their appointments. Uh, oftentimes we hear about um, whether or not someone can leave their house, maybe just because they want to, but also we're talking about doctor's appointments. We're talking about emergencies and not having accessibility to be able to leave their homes. And so when our audience is thinking about these things and wondering where they can get information about uh, accessibility guidelines for their town, um, where can they go to? What sources are available? So there's a number of things that I would recommend. And as, as nerdy as this one sounds, I would really just recommend Googling the name of your town and your city. And then I would write the word snow removal ordinance. When I've done my own research, for Disability Rights New York, that's what I do. And nine times out of 10, either the first, second, or third result in Google will be a direct link to the ordinance so I can see what the ordinance for that town or, or that city is. Um, if you happen to live in one of the larger cities in New York State, Disability Rights New York actually has a page on its website that goes over exactly what the responsibilities are as decided by those ordinances. Again, remembering that it's really up to the ADA, but that these uh, it does delineate what the, the cities have have allocated in terms of the ordinances. And those, just so you know, are Albany, Buffalo, New York City, Rochester, and Syracuse. And if for some reason there isn't a snow ordinance on a town's page, what other office in the town can they reach out to? Yeah, you know, there are actually situations where some towns don't have an ordinance. So it's not even about your lack of research skills or that Google's messing up, there really just might not be an ordinance on the issue. Um, so that's when you would call up somebody from the city or your town. Um, you can go to a lot of cities or towns have someone called an ADA coordinator, who is someone that has been designated by that city or town to really be in charge of all issues that relate to a person with a disability. Um, Otherwise, you, you can Google um, snow removal and find out what division within your city or town is responsible for that removal uh, and contact them and explain, I'm a person with a disability. This is my concern. This is my observation of the lack of snow removal in my area. Uh, there's nothing that can, can get you better results than reaching out to your elected officials and speaking to them about the issues that you're experiencing. That's really the best way to create change and to also just understand what the policies are in your area. Agreed. I think always calling your town supervisor or mayor's office or whomever, if you know anyone who's in your uh, town or city, um, you'll they'll direct you. There, there's a lot of great ways for people to pass on information. And so as you talked about Googling some research for DRNY, let's talk about some of the common issues around accessibility um, that DRNY has identified regarding the snow and ice removal. Well, there are a lot of issues um, and there's a lot of reasons for these issues. First, I just want to talk about something out of all of our control uh, is climate change. And we're seeing more extreme weather in every way, whether it's hotter, colder, or as we've talked about, more extreme snowstorms that are hitting all over the country and the world. Um, so that is certainly a factor and we have to be prepared for that change in our climate. Um, then we also are thinking about the snow removal that the cities and towns are generally 
doing, which involves snow plows going through to push the snow aside in the actual city streets. Of course, that's a necessary uh, public work, but what ends up happening, and we've all experienced this, is that the snow gets pushed from the streets and goes onto the sidewalks. And so that creates problems um, onto the sidewalks, also onto the pedestrian ramps, which of course are the ramps that allow people in wheelchairs to go from a higher elevated sidewalk to a lower elevated street and vice versa. Um, so those are problems that are actually caused by the city's effort to remove snow. Um, and then we see because property owners maybe don't get out there to shovel as quickly as they should, sometimes we have vacant properties. And so there actually isn't even a property owner who is technically responsible under the ordinance to remove the snow for that sidewalk. And then we have people with disabilities who might be that property owner, but unable because of their disability to get out and re remove the snow. So all of those create ongoing issues for people who are trying to use uh, the sidewalk with excessive amounts of snow and ice uh, and ultimately ultimately can barricade them into their homes. That's right. And, um, you know, we're talking about the storms, we're talking about climate change, and uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about emergency preparedness um, in, in the rest of the podcast. But uh, it, it seems like the right place to start to talk about the Buffalo storm. Um, it was 50 inches of snow and uh, it resulted in the loss of 31 lives. Um, and this is severe weather. It was snow, 70 mile an hour winds. What can people do uh, not only to prepare for these types of storms, but when we get barricaded in our homes, when people can't leave? Because we heard that throughout throughout this, you know, four or five days in Buffalo, and some people even longer weren't able to get out of their homes. What do we do then? How can we get to our um, to our town supervisors? How can we? find ways to not only be prepared, but also find someone that can help? Yeah, those are great questions, Katrin. And I, I know that that storm was not only so deadly in New York State, but then it I, I know at least that many people also perished outside of New York State. So that was such a massive example of really the, the world that we're now living in and the change in climate that we're seeing. Um, to your point, I think a lot of this has to do with being informed, making a plan, and taking action. And usually that does involve ahead of time thinking. Um, so in this moment of, you know, we're not experiencing anywhere in New York State at this precise second that we're recording this, we're not experiencing a snowstorm. So it's the perfect time for all of our listeners to be thinking ahead to the next one and preparing accordingly. Um, a lot of this preparation will be good for not only snowstorms, but other disasters and emergencies. So it's just a really good thing to do. Um, FEMA actually has a great resource for disaster preparedness for people with disabilities that I would direct people to. Um, but some really good things to think about in terms of creating an emergency kit, specifically depending on your needs as a person with a disability, is think about a contact list of people that you can ask to assist you and keep that list in your emergency kit in a watertight bag. Um, also, if you are deaf or hard of hearing, keep a weather radio with you that has a text display and a flashing alert. Um, keep extra hearing aid batteries. Have a pen and paper in your emergency kit and again, a sealed bag. Um, for someone who's blind or low vision, mark your emergency supplies with braille labels or large print. Um, and have a braille or deafblind communications device with you. 
And then people with mobility disabilities, um, obviously as, as whether this is possible, but try to have a lightweight manual wheelchair as an extra that you can use for evacuation purposes or an extra mobility device, such as a cane or a walker, something that you can use to take with you. Um, and if you use a seat cushion, this is a pretty good one that's practical. If you have to be evacuated without your wheelchair, bring your seat cushion with you because that will help you no matter what uh, platform you have to sit on, um, that will be there to help you. So there's, those are just a few ideas that are specific to disabilities. And then FEMA has many, many others that are also excellent. Well, you made a really good point. Right now, we are not experiencing an emergency. Uh, and also, sometimes we don't get the warning. I, I think maybe 24, 48 hours ahead of that storm in Buffalo, you know, we were getting the possible storms. And 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 there's a part of that where we've had um, the storms that, we, that are supposed to be coming, and then the, they never get here, which is always the best thing. However, when we're in the middle of a storm, obviously it's not the time to prepare because we need to know ahead of time. And also there are fluke storms that come out of nowhere. Um, the amount of rain and ice that we're experiencing in New York State right now uh, is a very strange for this time of year, uh, which can start to present issues in the next coming months. So um, we will definitely put the link to the FEMA information in the notes in the podcast, as well as some resources for DRNY. And as we're talking to our audience about getting prepared, um, how else can the public and our audience get involved so that they can help maybe prevent some issues around snow removal or um, when they see something that or someone that needs help? Is there a way to report whether it's inaccessible paths or people that are maybe having difficulty getting from one place to another? What can our audience do to be helpful in these situations? This is the best part. This is where we're talking about the action and what you can do. So most of these ordinances, um, they're really complaint driven. So if you see an issue in your neighborhood, the best thing to do is call up your city. Um, I again, I would just suggest Googling to figure out where the proper place is to call. Um, some cities actually, or towns even have online fillable forms that you can fill out about snow and ice violations where you can attach photos directly to your complaint. Um, but essentially, contact your city and your town through whatever is the correct pathway, uh, based off your Googling, um, and let them know that there's a problem. Most of the time, these cities and towns don't have the resources to be just patrolling their streets and trying to look for uh, violations themselves. So they're not going to necessarily know if you're barricaded in unless you call. Um, they're not going to know that a curb cut is inaccessible unless you call. Um, so that's the best thing to do. Just reach out to uh, to your town or your city in, in the proper format. The other thing to do separately is to reach out to your elected leaders. You elected them for a reason, um, and they're there for you. So communicate with them about the issues that you're experiencing, especially if they're ongoing. Um, and we have seen across the state that when we have people who are advocating for these issues, those are actually the, the towns and the cities where there are the best approaches to snow removal. Um, so that would be the number one thing. You can also actually report any violations to DRNY. We keep an email. It's snow at drny.org. And you can send to us any pictures of violations that you're experiencing, whether that's a ton of snow across your sidewalk and your wheelchair does not fit through because of that snow 
or again, if it's a curb ramp or another one is if snow got pushed into an accessible parking spot, that's actually not lawful, not only under the ADA, but also New York state law. Um, any of those kinds of things, you can send us a, a picture of that so that we're also aware of that and are really aware of statewide where these problems are occurring. Um, lastly, you know, there's litigation as an option, but that's really the last resort. That's the slowest moving possible way to fix these problems. So the best thing is, again, reach out to your city or your town. That's right. And I like what you said, you know, a lot of changes that are made overall, not just about accessibility issues are, and I wouldn't even say complaint driven, but observation driven, right? I mean, we are electing the officials and uh, and we can let them know what's happening in our neighborhoods, on our sidewalks, um, and what changes need to be made. So we talked about it for just a minute uh, earlier, one of the questions, but we're talking about people who are homeowners and who also may have disabilities and may not be able to shovel their path or um, even shovel to the extent that it needs to, because there are the, the width of how far you need to shovel is also um, part of certain snow protocol. So if someone has a disability, whether it's a temporary disability or not, and they're unable to do it, are there resources or people that they can contact to help clear the services? Okay. Help clear the snow. Sorry about that. <laughs> I got you. Um, yes and no. It's a little bit tricky. Um, yes, technically, you could consider that a reasonable accommodation where there's an ordinance that says that you as a homeowner are required to keep the sidewalk around your area free of snow and ice. So you could contact your city or your town and say, I need a reasonable accommodation. I need some assistance here because I can't do this. Um, but in practicality, we know that cities and towns, again, due to resource limitations, are often very slow moving. Uh, we, DRNY has experienced many instances like this across the state where cities and towns ultimately never even get to the person to help them before the, the uh, sun literally melts the the snow or the ice before the town gets to it. So um, practically speaking, another approach is to create community connections. And whether that's your neighbor or a family member or a loved one who lives nearby who can come and assist you, practically that might be just the fastest and best approach. And that's really good advice. I, when I think about, um, especially uh, rural areas. I grew up with seven neighbors who were uh, about a half a mile apart from each other. We still needed to connect because actually the the distance between us um, really created a problem as far as getting community, but we needed to know who was close enough. So uh, really good information. And when we talk about snow removal and we talk about uh, what is a sidewalk, uh, who is responsible for it, and what is it considered? Um, and these are questions that maybe our audience might not, um, like, what, what do they mean? What is a sidewalk? But let's define it. Um, let's talk about what it is and how is it covered um, under the ADA? You are asking me to nerd out and I love it, Catherine. <laughs> so sidewalks are considered a program, service, or activity under the Americans with Disabilities Act. So the way that the ADA states it is that cities and towns are responsible for maintaining and constructing all program services and activities so that they are accessible to people with disabilities. A really good example of a program service or activity is a library. Uh, it's well established that cities and towns have to create accessible libraries in their city or town. 
But it doesn't make sense to have a library that's accessible and not require that town or that city to make sidewalks that are accessible to get to that library. Uh, so it's all just part of the same program, service, or activity to use the language of the ADA. And this is a position that is really well supported. Uh, the Department of Justice, in fact, has issued multiple what's called statements of interest in ongoing litigation across the country to say that this is our interpretation, that we really see that the ADA is establishing sidewalks as a program, service, or activity, that it's definitely the required it's required that cities and towns maintain them as accessible. And Emma, uh, just for acronyms sake, we talk about the DOJ. Who are we talking about? Oh, so sorry. That's the Department of Justice. Um, so they're responsible for issuing regulations that interpret the ADA. Um, and so they're the ones that when there's a lawsuit that relates to the ADA, they have the authority to issue, again, what's called a statement of interest, which is really their interpretation as this um, as this organization that, or this agency that is responsible for interpreting the ADA. So we have a lot of things backing us up here, the DOJ and the ADA, and lots of great acronyms. And as we are just really in the middle of January, I guess we're towards the end now, which I cannot believe we're already done with the first month in January of 2023. Um, we could see a lot more snow. We could see a lot more ice, uh, flooding, mud, all sorts of things um, in New York State. And we'll be putting our resources on emergency preparedness as well as where maybe to find resources for DRNY. Um, and also your your advice on Google searching. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think I've covered all of my questions, but is there anything else that you want to talk to the audience about or let them know before we sign off today? I just have a kind of fun, cool um, emergency preparedness tip. If you are thinking that you may need to shelter in place for a period of time, regardless of what the emergency is, a really good practical tip is fill up your bathtub with water. That is fresh drinking water. And as long as your bathtub doesn't crack or is not some other way infiltrated, that is fresh drinking water for you. And that'll last you throughout however long your emergency is. Uh, so that's just a good practical tip. But no matter what is heading your way, I wish everyone that's listening to this podcast all the health and uh, warmth <laughs> with snow uh, possible. And I hope that you found this podcast to be helpful. Thank you so much. That is a great tip about the water. And uh, to echo Emma's uh, sentiments, everyone can say stay safe. Oh my goodness. Stay safe out there. And thank you again for joining us today. Emma, I look forward to talking to you again. Sounds great. Thank you, Catherine. Empire State of Rights has been brought to you by Disability Rights New York, your source for disability rights and advocacy. If you enjoyed our program, make sure to subscribe, like, and share this post. The video for this episode is available on our YouTube channel with closed captioning and ASL interpretation. If there is a subject you would like us to discuss, please email podcast at drny.org or comment below. For more Empire State of Rights, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube.